Behind home plate, we bringing it to him all day. All day. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Birdland. Win or lose, we bringing it to you always. Always. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Orange or black, we rebuild the pack. No matter where we at, you know we coming back. Section 336, we on this, so tune in. Tune in. You know what's up? Welcome to Birdland. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Birdland. You know what's up? from section 336. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to section 336, next generation of Baltimore sports talk. I am your endearing starting host, Matt Sroka, and as always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Sroka. Hey, Matt. How's your day going? This has been a weird week for Oriole fans, and, and has there ever been a crazier week between two episodes of section 336? No, if you add in what's happening with the Ravens and all the coaching moves and all that, plus all the Ravens news, that, it is an emotional roller coaster. And it is, uh, yeah, this has been one of the most jam packed, especially for having two teams that aren't even playing. Uh, this has been a jam packed couple weeks, and I'm still processing all that has just went down. So I'm hoping this episode is going to help me kind of process what we what we what we're seeing uh yeah of course i'm just uh something just popped up on the computer where it's asking me to confirm that this is my account but the email address is not my email address i don't know what why that happens that was you look into that it was something with our instagram stream so if we went down on instagram that's why all right but yeah, it's been such a crazy week, and um, have you, like, it seems like the Raven loss, and as ugly as that was, like, that was what we predominantly talked about last week, and that now seems like it happened 17 years ago. Yeah, I mean, we did a special mini-episode on the owner. I've thought more about our new owner. Uh, yeah, and- a little, but that was 10 minutes, and yeah, I have a lot more thoughts on there that I think would be wonderful oh. to get to. Okay. And then, uh, of course, I mean, we got to unpack this Corbin Burns trade, which uh, is one of these franchise-altering moves, both, I think, the move itself and the fact that, you know, this is liftoff. Oh, this is what liftoff looks like. This is what everyone was waiting for. And this is... I mean, we we were talking about. I was I was beating the drum that we need to trade for Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease is a bum compared to Corbin Corbin Burns. Right. Um, I was setting my sights too low, apparently, with going after D- Dylan Cease. And Michael Elias had 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 a bigger fish. So, yeah, I'm pumped to to unpack new ownership. I'm pumped to unpack Burns. I'm unpacked. I'm, I'm pumped to unpack any possible connection between ownership and Burns. Um, all this, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about all this stuff. No, and me too. And that's it's uh and that's the crazy part about it is new I wrote in our little show description as I was setting it up. I'm like, new owner, new pitcher, and really just new hope and a new outlook of the future of this organization. Which is just what a way to start twenty twenty four. Nothing any of us would have predicted, including the uh governor of Maryland who got a little blindsided in this. After John making it all about him, he still managed to be weird here at the end. 
Yeah, no, that's and and that the more I think about that side of it is is really unbelievable because um, now John Angelos is walking away with one point seven five billion dollars. Hopefully, Lou, my man Lou, gets some of that, and some of that trickles down to my man Brady Anderson. I don't think Brady gets any of it. Just to be clear, Lou, I think Lou does get some. Yeah, yeah, but it's just it's wild to me because. John seemed to be someone who has business interests. And I, I assume, like maybe he's going to take his 1.75 billion and, and go buy an island and retire somewhere. But like that stuff with, with kind of revitalizing the city and concerts and that, like in Nashville, I assume he still wants to be in business. So it's wild that on your way out, you would burn bridges with some of the most important people in the, in the, in the state. Oh that you may need to do business with or that may offer kind of poor recommendations of you, even if you do businesses in other states like Tennessee. Well, and it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. It's so crazy because it's like you dragged more out there for your little jumbotron thing to say, Hey, we have a deal when everyone knows we did it. And now, uh, then you have, it comes out and more and they put all the brakes on and say, Hey, hold on. The team might be sold. Let's let's figure this out. And John calls more personally and says, no, we're not selling the team. Those are all lies. We're not even having conversations about selling the team. It's just rumors. It's nothing. And then he announces that he sold the team and he can't even call Governor Moore and say, look, I know I said we it wasn't happening. It's complicated business stuff. We couldn't talk about it at the time. Didn't want it to leak out. Had to say no. Because uh, we weren't sure, but we are selling the team and the announcement's coming out tomorrow. The real simple phone call, he could have saved all that, but apparently he's just weird. Yeah, this is not surprising to anyone who's been following the Orioles or interviews with John Angelos, going back to when he did like the Times interview and um, going back to the Times, he talked about not wanting to talk about certain issues on certain days <laughs> of the year. Like it's it's none of this is surprising. Uh, I think it's a combination of weirdness and incompetence. Uh, we talked about him here. He's he's he is uh, blessed to be born to the dad he was born to, and other than that, he doesn't have a whole lot going for him. Um, right. But shoot, they bought the team uh, for one hundred seventy-three million dollars. Right, he can do what he wants. Team, and now they're walking away with one point seven five billion dollars. So. Good for them, I guess, um, but good for the Orioles too. So it's a it's a win win situation. He gets his money, and we get him out of here, right? And I don't know. I try to think back because we were kids when John Angelos or Peter Angelos bought the team, and we've had conversations on here before where it's I have been a little defensive of Peter Angelos, and now as it all closes and you look back on Peter Angelos, John Angelos, Lou Angelos, it's really I. Sure, Peter Angelos had his issues, but he put a lot of money into the team. The team got cheap, and the team got weird when John took over. Yeah, I mean, we we could do a whole episode unpacking the, and maybe we should, a special episode unpacking the Angelos era, um, because you're right, pretty much our entire lives was, as far as I can remember, P, uh, Peter Angelos, I think it was 10 right. when he took up ownership of the team, and yeah, and, and there was a time there, right, in the mid-90s when we had one of the highest payrolls in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. We brought in guys yes. like Roberto Alomar and Albert Bell and Rafael Primero. Like, we brought Sam in Sosa, big name. Yeah. yeah, we brought in big-name free agents, and, and we were competitive. And Peter's 
Angelus's downfall was not wanting to win or not wanting to spend well, money. It was being meddling with the team and not trusting management right. to might to make the correct moves. Oh, I don't even and know. He, I don't even know how much was that. Was Peter. I think it was all that, and and we could spend an hour now, on I, this episode. The whole if, we, if you want to do the whole podcast on this, we don't even talk about how we now have a new ace in Corbin Burns. We can relive the whole Peter Angelus era. But I think it's hundred yeah, no, percent he got too involved in stuff. See, I don't. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if John got too involved. No, I'm talking about not, Peter, not Peter. Yeah, Peter got involved with some of the finances, but Peter was also out there. Remember in the baseball strike and the whole replacement players thing, Peter was very outspoken on the side of the players and yes, refused he would, to have have them. You, Peter Angelos never said, "Hey, what's important to me is concerts at the stadium." Yeah, but Josh, he also fired the manager of the year, Davey Johnson. Yes. The year he became the manager yes. of the year. Yo, he, exactly. also, he, he also chose to kind of go against what the general manager said to sign certain players, no. like a Chris Davis, for example, right. Uh, right. which turned out to be a huge mistake. And th- th- there's a long list of of mistakes Peter Angelos made um, that he had no business making. And so... Again, I'm not really prepared to have this conversation. We, if we no, want to go down this right. road, we can relive the whole Angelos era. No, no, you're right. I'm not saying Peter Angelos was amazing. I'm just saying John made things even worse. And I yes. think yes, I mean, we've got another billionaire coming in, but they're at least laying the foundations down to give us hope. And even down to who they announced as their, their team with Cal Ripken and Kurt Schmoke and Grant Hill. It's like guys that have local connections and team connections to kind of make us feel like it's a Baltimore ownership group. The foundation to give us hope, Josh. That uh, the team's staying here, that there's not like it's not just a corporate that they care about the team. I don't know. Is that uh, outside of, I mean, outside of another billionaire group coming in, I, you're saying that that doesn't help with hope? You're saying your only way you're given new hope is because we have a new owner? Yeah, no, I think you're underselling everything. I forget hope. It's not hope. It's like hope to me is something that like you're looking forward to in the future. But like it's here. It's here. Josh, I've been I don't know how you spent your Sunday. I spent my Sunday listening to the David Rubenstein show podcast. That's right. how I've been spending my day. Right. Listen to David uh-huh. Rubenstein in my ears. Rubenstein has been in and by the way, it's Rubenstein has been in my ears all day today. Um, and so I've been listening to him. Great sense of humor, really good at with the with the interviews. Yeah. He interviews I have in podcast interviews people leaders. leaders who have been successful to kind of look at kind of what have made them personally yeah. and professionally these successful people um you know he's a philanthropist people can take knocks about how he made his money not that it's illegal but some people take issue I don't know enough to know about all that <laughs> no but but I do know he's given away billions of dollars I I do know he's he's funny I do know his first tweet about the orders was I want to win a World Series, and I believe in that. I don't think if you just look, I mean, he's he's he did one of those pledges where he's going to give away half his wealth when right, he dies. Back. Um, so like he doesn't, he's not in it to get more money. Where certainly John Angelos, there was a money was a large component of all this. For for Rubenstein, he's not in it for the money. He's in it to win, uh, and so it's not about hope. It's it's about everything. Everything is different. You went to bed one night with John Angelos as the owner, and you didn't know if you were going to be able to re-sign any of these players. 
You didn't know if this was going to be a five year window or if this is going to be a, a, a kind of forever thing. And you and you went to bed on kind of uncertain about the future and you woke up and we're a completely different franchise. You woke up yes. and there's no uncertainty. You, you, you woke up and a day later you have a top five pitcher in baseball now leading your squad. You, you woke up and everything's different. Uh, you woke up and Adley Rutschman and Jackson Holiday and Gunnar Henderson will be extended at some point. I have every confidence in the world that they'll be extended. Oh, and uh, yes, totally. And, uh, and none of that and was true Cor- and Corbin Burns. four days ago. Like Corbin Burns, okay, we brought him here, but we're going to extend him. It's not a one-year deal. We're going to Oh, I don't him. know about that, actually. No, I think it. I think so. Okay. I think, I think it's, I mean, I, he's definitely going to push it to free agency and it's going to, and then we'll see, but I think we have a shot. And with John Angelos, we didn't have a shot to extend him. No, but now we have with a shot. John Angelos, we prayed and hoped that we could extend one player like we did where, oh, you got to extend Chris Davis or Manny Machado and choose one. Yeah. Now we have hope of extending everyone that we want that's worthy yeah. of an extension. Yeah, I, I think it's a done deal. We'll make a run at all of them. And I think, and we'll, I think we'll do it early. All of them and and, and not including Burns and, and maybe Burns as have well. You, have you looked into where Ruben it's Ruben Stein? Stein, yes. All right. Have you looked into where Ruben Stein spends his money? Yeah. Like like we think of billionaires and how they spend their money. He spends so much money on the Smithsonian and the Washington Monument and yeah. Buying the Magna Carta, not so he can have it in his office, but so that it can sit in the Smithsonian for other people to go view. Right. It's, he like, is the definition of a philanthropist. He made a ton of money, and now he's using his money um, mostly in D.C. to and it's, with historical yeah. things. And it's way bigger than saying, hey, the Orioles will be here as long as Fort McHenry's here. It's no, I'm going to invest money to make sure Fort McHenry's here forever. Too. Yeah. It's very impressive and gives you – it gives me a lot of hope. I know you're saying hope is underselling the word, but right because it's here. Um, right. the The other thing about that, and we've talked about this a bunch on the podcast, Josh. The importance of and how we love when Orioles do things to recognize Orioles' history. Yes. Well, we have a history buff. I mean, this guy's written books right. about history. This guy obviously like, gives billions of dollars to to to, to restoring historical and keeping historical right. items available for the public. So yes. he like he loves history. Yes. Um, he also is bringing in, as you mentioned, former Maryland governors and um, former Oriole players and Cal Ripken right. to be part of the group, part of that history thing. And so I think we have not only, I mean, the, the discussion about Orioles moving is is not a discussion. That never, never really was. But now we have a, a guy I think that's going to kind of embrace and celebrate the Orioles history and, and former ownership hold, held grudges. I mean, goodness knows can we get a love for Mike Messina? Can we get a love for Adam Jones? Yes. Like we know that like Peter Angel said, history well, even, of not getting along. Even that Cal also Rick, is changing. Rick, gonna have I, guy who, like, I think it's going to embrace Orioles history, embrace this team's history. Yes. I feel like even Cal Ripken during the Angelos time frame kind of backed off and it was like, oh, why he needs his personal space. I think there had to be some issues there with, because he did not come out on the field much. Every now and then you'd see him in the stands. He wasn't, you never saw him like in the booth doing interviews and talking about great times with the Orioles and stuff. Yeah, interesting contrast to what we saw in the playoffs with the Ravens, who literally brings everyone back. Yeah, exactly. Bring them all back. Mid-play, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think – and that's the other thing is Ruben Stein reminds me of the type of ownership group that we see in the Ravens with Bashadi, where Bashadi is a leader of leaders. 
And I feel that way from Rubenstein. Like you said before, with the respect to leadership and looking at people from yeah, leadership. Like he studies this and, stuff, yeah. Right, Wait, and he studies this stuff, which means if you, if you had to pull a baseball team, I know he's an Orioles fan, which is why he wanted the Orioles. But hey, the Nationals were for sale too. So he could have had either one. He's a Washington guy too. He could have had either one. But right. I think he also looks at like, we don't need to worry about Mike Elias because Mike Elias is the type of uh, GM that has changed baseball with the way he does things, with the analytics, with the way he pulls it. And that's something that Rubenstein will end up, will respect, probably already does, and wants to get into that head. I want to see Mike Elias on Rubenstein's podcast. Yeah, no, I think that'd be really interesting. I mean, Rubenstein is everything Peter Angelos, I mean, everything John Angelos isn't, right? Like Rubenstein is well spoken. Rubenstein is like he has media savvy. He's on television, right? He's not mm -hmm. making a, a, a knucklehead of right. himself. Um, he's, he's kind of everything that John Angelos isn't, which is great, kind of from a PR standpoint. We don't have to be embarrassed to have um, an owner like uh, John John Angelos. Um, so all that is wonderful. He is, I think, the comparison to Steve Bashadi, who's very a very thoughtful owner yes. who thinks about his leadership. Um, who his, I mean, Steve Bashadi's greatest strength is having Ozzie Newsom and then Eric DaCosta and putting those guys in roles of leadership and letting them with the personnel side. I think the only real difference is, is I think Rubenstein has a whole lot more money yeah, totally. <laughs> than Steve Bashadi. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And in baseball, that matters more than it does in yes. football. Correct. Yeah, there's a the salary cap. cap. And yeah. we have saw the Angelos family take the Orioles from a large market team to a mid-market to a small market team. Yes. And now we kind of are like, well, why can't we be a large market again? Right. And we have that hope because it takes money to invest, to grow that fan base, to grow, to win championships. And it, it is. It's, it's like we suddenly have a different ball club. Yeah. It, 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 we do. There's different possibilities on what this team can do. There's, it's just a different, it's just a different deal. Josh, do you think so? So let's get. I'm just pumped to talk about Kirk, Cor, Cor, Corbin. Yeah, Burns. I know. I want to. Talk I've been to watching Corbin Burns, Burns highlights. Uh, pretty much the nonsense. I want. I want to at some point in a future episode. Like right now, we go full speed because spring training's in like two weeks. Yeah. So we're full speed ahead. Orioles, Orioles, Orioles. We don't need the filler stuff that we need to sometimes in the off season. Right. But I do want to make some predictions about things that we think Rubenstein will do to make this club better and focus on this club, not on the field, but with everything else, what he, what he brings specifically that Peter Angelos does not bring. Because I was thinking about the whole building out the area around Camden Yards because Peter wants nightclubs and bars and all this stuff to make money. <clears throat> And Rubenstein's going to put some museums up there. I think we're going to get that. Yeah, I, think, I think that that sports museum that we used to have, yeah. I think Rubenstein's going to bring the Babe Ruth Museum over or something and put that in and make a real museum of Baltimore history. We've talked before about how we've got a little bit of stuff behind center, uh, behind home plate, but we've talked about how Atlanta's got it really cool. Uh, yeah. And other stadiums that we visited have cool history of the team. And, and suddenly we've got a guy that values history. We're going to get to see that in the stadium yeah. and around this team, which is awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's you'll see more of that stuff. Uh, Josh, do you think – so here's here's the question that I think that popped to everyone's mind immediately after the corporate Burns trade. Yeah. Because like the day before it was the new ownership was announced or two days before. Uh, 
was this does this deal happen under John Angelos? I mean, there really hasn't been a full transfer of power. You have to go to ownership meetings. Um, And certainly like, I I don't feel like you can, these trades, I assume don't happen overnight. I assume that you're already in talks. And then, so do you think think this is a, a Rubenstein? Does it go under his, was this his trade or is this go under John Angelos? I think this conversation, the Corbin Burns, I think has been on the radar for all off season. And I think Michael Ice has made phone calls, has considered it, has weighed what they want for Corbin Burns. I think what happened with the new ownership is this is Michael Ice felt the same thing we felt, but he probably had a phone call that that also gave him confidence that it wasn't just hope. Because I think you don't make this move unless you think you can extend Corbin Burns. Oh, and I, see, I, I, I that's where there, I think yeah. I think I think what changes is that you have money behind it so that you can either extend Corbin Burns or you have money to spend to get people to replace a guy like DL Hall in the future. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I buy that. The I think this deal gets done either way. I think this is, even if this is just a one-year deal, um, I think it makes sense for the Orioles, even if you're just making a one-year rent run at it. I mean, he's going to make so much money. It's insane because he's going to be 30 years old and a top-five pitcher in baseball. Yes. No, he's going to be expensive, right? And and so I think this. I think the deal is worth doing, whether you even are considering extending him or not. Now, certainly with Rubenstein ownership, it it becomes more likely that you can make a run in extending him. Um, but I think the deal gets done either way. Um, just the timing was really interesting. Yes. We um, won't know for years if the timing has anything. If to ever, do with yeah, yeah, because we will never be told while John Angelos is still in ownership. Right. If anything, we'll find out down the road. Right. Someone needs to write a book. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Go open up those books. Yeah. And but before we get to all this stuff that Corbin Burns brings and how he's just a freaking perfect fit um, for this team, um, we did lose three prospects, essentially. Uh, we lost uh, two actual prospects in D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz. And then we lost what will be another prospect in the – the, the compensatory first round yeah. pick. I think that was the Gunner, um, the Gunner Henderson rookie of the year, rookie of the year bonus right. pick that we traded away. So right. it's not a high pick. Yeah, but it's the first round. Like, like that would, um, like Enrique Bradfield was a low first round pick, and, and he turned into a prospect for us. I assume whoever's drafted that pick would turn into a a, a top prospect for that uh, for that team. And okay. Be a, but but anyway. Um, Josh, are you okay with losing Joey Ortiz, DL Hall, and the first round pick? Do you feel like we spent too much? Do you feel like we we, we got Corbin Burns cheap for for a year? How, how, how are we feeling I, about this deal? I I love how this solidifies our pitching, both the staff, both the rotation and the bullpen. I think this solidifies DL Hall. I love D.L. Hall. I was very curious to see. I thought D.L. Hall was a great setup man, back end of the rotation, uh, back end of the bullpen type guy that we never really got to see him make that jump to start a pitcher. Um, and I think that with Corbin Burns, you don't need you, – you're okay with losing a guy, a bullpen guy. Um, with Joey Ortiz, we were too crowded. I love that this is going to give him an opportunity to play because he was never going to make it up into our infield without a major injury to one of our players. 
we just didn't have a spot for him. So I don't mind losing either of those guys for this. I think Corbin Burns makes this rotation so good that we can even have less arms in the bullpen if we want. Yeah, and the the Joey Ortiz, I, I agree with you. Uh, I think like he's going to have. A, I assume he's going to have opportunity opportunity to be a start starting shortstop there. I assume at so, Milwaukee, yeah. um, if not right away, pretty soon, and and that's good for him because listen, even if Joey Ortiz turns into be a really good player, I mean even even a, a, an all star player, I think the chances of him being better than Gunnar Henderson or Jackson Holiday who are both younger than him and both play shortstop are very unlikely. So just, it just, the math didn't right. work. And so Joey Ortiz, I would have been surprised. Like it, it just, he is, I think the most obvious guy to get dealt. Yes. The DL Hall thing. I mean, last year he was my bull prediction guy. Like all my bull predictions were kind of predicting him to have a, a breakout year as a starter. It didn't work out last year. Um, it hasn't worked out multiple times with DL Hall, right? Like, right. We've been trying to make DL Hall a starter on this team for like the past five years. I feel like <laughs> it just just hasn't worked out, whether injury or kind of pitching location struggles, whatever. He's he's had some stints in the bullpen where he's been elite, um, but he hasn't been consistent anywhere. And so I think the ceiling for DL Hall is still really high. So that's why I hate trading guys who have really high ceilings, right? But he's also not like a 21-year-old prospect anymore. I think he's, what, like 25 maybe now? Yeah, but I don't um, want – yeah. If he wins Cy Young or something next year, don't come back to me and be like, oh, it's just like Jerrietta. It's just like Kevin Galsman. It's not a, It's different. We haven't seen anything out of him. Yeah, I was just bringing up his totals the past two years. I'm surprised about this. Only started one – only has one game started for the Orioles. So he's just right. like um, – and I know the Orioles want him to be a – Starter. Um, yeah, and so like, how, like it, I guess it depends. Like, for the Carbon Burns trade, if DL Hall is just another bullpen guy, and Joey Ortiz, then that's really nothing. Like, you just traded, right, exactly. you traded very little. Now, if you view DL Hall as a potential mid to top rotation arm, which the stuff is there, then okay, that then all of a sudden that seems like more of a a fair trade. And I hope and I think from what I've read and from, um. Looking at Milwaukee's starting rotation, they don't have a good starting rotation. And right. now with Perns gone, I assume DL Hall will be in the starting rotation which, and give him every chance to start. Right, which is great for him. Right, because it wasn't going to happen with the Orioles. Right, for Ortiz and DL, this is a great move. Yes. Now, what's going to happen, Birdland, I'm just telling you right now. Um, over the course of, of Ortiz and DL Hall's time in Milwaukee, they're, they're going to put up more value than one year of Corbin Burns. If you're gonna if you're gonna play the war game, whoever gets more war wins the trade. The Brewers are going to win this trade because over the next six years, Ortiz and Hall are gonna give more war than Corbin Burns yeah. is in one year. And I know you're but, holding out hope for extension, but, but. Josh. Well, no, not the extension. <clears throat> okay. How how do you incorporate a World Series championship? into your war comparison for who won the trade. Right. Well, that's my we uh, world series. Yeah. We win the trade deal done. Who cares? Right. Right. Wait, I mean, Dean Kramer has yeah. put up more war in his career with us in the Orioles than um, Manny Machado did with half a year with the Dodgers. Right. Like, right. right. And, and 
everyone still thinks like you would trade Dean Kramer for Manny Machado. You would take that deal every day, right? So it's not we have different goals here. I'm just saying, like, I'm just preparing for them. Like, we have different goals. And for a long time, we've been we've been sellers, or we, I'm sorry, we we've been trying to accumulate prospects, accumulate all those years. Now we're in a different position where we're going to trade six years of a good player for one year of an elite player. That's what we did, right? We traded three, essentially three players, because that draft pick will turn into a decent player. Three good players for one elite player. Yes. And we talked about this last episode. We talked about this all offseason. We're not in the position now where we need another good player, right? We, we, We don't need another third, fourth pitching rotation guy. That's a good player. We we don't need that. Even like an outfielder or an, we we have no room for good players because we already have good players at all these positions. Right. What we need, what we could use is a couple elite players. And I was just reading Fangraphs article and they had Kerbin Burns as a top five pitcher in all of baseball. He immediately becomes Cobb Bradish had a great year last year. He immediately becomes our our best pitcher, our ace. Um, and he is an elite. So we traded three good players for one elite player for, for one year. Um, and hopefully, you know, you get him in the culture of Baltimore and you make a run in extending him. But we can have the conversation later. Right now, though, we have an elite starter. I mean, this is our I, I hope we're having discussions about who starts game one of the playoffs. Kyle Bradish. Well, the playoffs. I thought you were saying opening day. Opening no, no, day no. burns. Kirk Kirk Kerb Burns or Grace Rodriguez because they're all having great years and we're fighting over right. who because all of these guys, Bradish, Rodriguez, Burns, they all have ace potential and they've all showed flashes of being an ace. But there's only one guy who who has repeat repeatedly been an ace year after year after year. Josh, here are the numbers just real quick. Since 2020, um in 2020, when he was 25, Cor- Cor- Corbin Burns, ERA of 2.11, went 4-1 and one that, that year. In the next year, had an ERA of 2.43, over 167 innings, won 11 games. In 2022, that's the year he had an ERA of 2.94, um, pitched over 200 innings that year. In 2023, just last year, had kind of his worst year, actually, and his worst year is an ERA of 3.39, Pitched 193 innings. 193 innings is more than Kyle Gibson, more than Grayson Rodriguez, more than Dean right. Kramer. So he throws a ton, a, a ton of innings. And for the past one, two, three, four years, he's been really good. He comes in. At, he hasn't been good. He's been elite the last four years. And Cobb Radish has been good for a year. Um, Grayson Rodriguez has been good for half a year. Yeah, <laughs> John Means is coming off has been good, but it's coming off an injury. Um, and so all of a sudden you have all those kind of unproven track records in the start rotation. And now Corbin Burns becomes this veteran. He's 29, but he becomes this veteran guy who's done it year in, year out. Right. To kind of solidify this rotation. And so um, I hate losing DL Hall. I wish the best for him. Like, I hope, I do hope that DL Hall has a great year. And I hope Corbin, Corbin Burns has a great year. Win-win. Yeah. And that Joe Ortiz has how- a great year. But Did you see how these moves affected farm system rankings. Yeah, we I just did. Gave I up, saw that. We gave up two guys pretty yeah. high in our farm system, and we are still the number one farm system in baseball. And it yep. moved the Brewers from, I think, six or seven to number two farm system in baseball. Yeah. By adding these two guys. 
So yeah. that tells you how much depth we have. That guys that made a huge impact on their farm system and raising their farm system, losing them did not affect our farm system. Yeah, it's wild. Um, what did Baseball America say? We're still a far and above the best farm system in yeah. baseball. That's crazy. It's crazy because you think about it. Just like wrap your head around this. We traded for a top five pitcher in baseball. We traded for an ace. Right. We got him here, and we still have the number one farm system in baseball. Yeah. Like people empty their farm systems for players like Corbin Burns, and and we gave a good talent. Right. But we still have a whole lot more talent it, there. That's wild to think. It's of. back to last year during the trade deadline. We talked about in the end of the season how we have when you're making trades like we have like our C level talent is B level talent for another team. Right. And we've got this, a, we've got this B a minus talent. That is a pluses for the brewers. Yeah. I mean, Colton Kowser could start for half the teams in baseball right now, Right, but he won't. Yeah. And he won't, probably won't start here. Well, yeah, we're looking at fifth or sixth best outfielder. Like, like yeah. we're looking at where is Colton Kowser? I'm thinking about it. Where is Colton Kowser going go to get his playing time? Because he's kind of graduated from Norfolk, but we don't have right. anywhere to play him. Uh, the, the same was true with um, Joe, Joey Ortiz. And to, and to a certain extent, with, with D.L. Hall too, right? Because we he thinks he's a starter. We yeah. wanted to be a starter, but there was not enough room for him to kind of figure that stuff out. Where maybe three years ago, we could have played D.L. Hall as starter and seen how it worked. But but we're, those times, they are changing. Um, and so... Does... Uh... Does Ortiz now being traded and Frazier uh, signing elsewhere guarantee Westberg at second base opening day? Yeah. You know, Holiday at short, Gunner at third, Westberg at second. Yeah, but you know, I see people already putting the lineups out there. I I don't want to break it to them. Yeah. But like Brandon Hyde. Does funky things to line up, especially with the righty lefty stuff. Right. So that might be a lineup and, one day. <laughs> and Urias is still around. And so is Mateo. He's still on the roster. Oh, I forgot. I forgot about Mateo. You're right. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting who plays short because Gunner was great at short. Right. I don't think Jackson Holiday. I, I haven't seen anything about Jackson Holiday moving to third. I've heard no. some talk about him moving to second. Right. I assume Gunner moves to third because he's got the arm. We know he's got the arm, so he can handle third. Yeah, but right. I haven't seen Jackson Holiday play short enough. But my question is, shortstop, who's a better shortstop? Um, Holiday or Gunner? I know Gunner's great. Is, yeah, but I, I can't imagine Holiday at 20 but is I think, better than Gunner. No, but I think you look at how do I fit Holiday onto this field? I need him on this field. If I put Holiday at third and Gunner at short, What's a stronger lineup on that left side of the field? Gunner or all-star gunner at short and holiday at third or holiday at short and the all-star gunner that short now playing third. What t- what's a larger, smaller tick down? Cause you want to get holiday onto this field. So I think, I think that's why you end up moving gunner. Can't Westberg play third. I don't think Westberg has played third. I thought he did last year. I don't know. I'll look up Jordan Westberg. So, I mean, you're, whatever. And I think they're going to be some funky business with righty-lefty matchups too. Sure. Because we have a good mix in that infield of righty-lefties. Um, and I'm curious. I mean, this, does, this doesn't this does kind of alleviate the question we had around 
um, Urias and Mateo and how they fit. Because I think, yeah, I'm with you. And I think most Oriole fans, like, we want to see Westberg, Gunner, um, and ho- Holiday out there. Yeah. Every day. Like, that's right. That's what we want. Um, yes. But I think Arias and Mateo offer value in kind of what they do. Um, and so they're also like corner Norby is going to be knocking on the door in AAA. Kobe Mayo is going to be knocking on the door in AAA. So we can talk about those, those questions later as well. But um, but yeah, I, I think there's – if Hyde wants flexibility in the infield, goodness knows in the outfield too. Like this team has a ton of – young flexible players who can play multiple positions so we'll see how that goes yeah i um i don't i don't know how to look look up his how many times he's played third base one website lists him as a third base the other one lists him as a second base so i'm not sure but you're right maybe westberg to third holiday at second is something we could do to adjust i'm not sure but what i do know is that corbin burns makes it so that our rotation is solid and it's solid all the way through of five guys. Um, I think in the minors play short too. Like he can play short as well. I can play short, but I don't see Westbrook as short. I see him at second or third. Um, I just see like, you mentioned the arm strength, are the arm strength for gunner at third, which that makes sense. But I would also argue like at short, especially with no shifting, you want short and second people who can cover ground. And I would think a short and second combination of Gunner and Jackson Holiday is going to cover a whole lot of ground. And third, you just need to cover less ground, right? Because just less ground to cover. So it makes sense to me that you put Westberg there and let the two guys who can cover the most ground play short, step, and second. But I don't know. We, we, uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out in spring training and yeah, all that jazz. That's interesting. That could be like a Machado scope type situation up the middle. Um. I'm not sure, but let's, but let's go back to Corp, what Corbin Burns really affects is pitching. So where we have a solid rotation of five guys that can get through six innings, that's going to take a lot of pressure off this bullpen, which is already dealing with not having Batista. Yeah, I think what's clear is the, um, when you talk about like innings limits and how, you were concerned, I think, going into last year, right, that um, you didn't know about Tyler Wells still building up his innings. Grace Mariga certainly still building up his innings as, as a young pitcher. Um, and so you still had issues around Kyle Bradish, same deal. Um, I mean, two years ago was his first year in the majors, right? So you had all these pitchers where you still had to kind of think about their innings. Um, right. And so this year, that's really no longer the case. I don't think you're looking at innings and limits and stuff with Rodriguez or with, um, or with any of them with Bradish. Um, but it's, it's, but it's beyond limits. It's the fact that they've got good enough stuff to pitch deep in games. Right. Right. So if you, if you take away the limits and you also add the fact that they're good enough to get deep into games, um, hopefully, yeah, you, you can get into the seventh inning consistently because our bullpen is going to be a little bit worse this year than it was last year. I don't know. I don't right. know. About I think that. that's true. I just shucks in the bullpen. I don't, okay. I, hopefully, uh, I don't know how bullpen. you can take away Bautista and say this bullpen is just as good. Um, because this bullpen, I think, will pitch less innings this year. 
And I think that yeah. bullpen was okay. relied on heavily last year. So I think with less innings, it might help to balance out. Yeah. And we had a problem last year. Like, let's not forget, we had a problem last year where we were getting to the all-star break and we needed to sign trade for Jack Flaherty. If for any other reason, we need someone else to throw innings right. because, yeah. you know, Tyler Wells was out of there <laughs> doing who knows what. And we just, we, we needed to get through. I mean, Grayson Riggins was up and down and we just needed to get some innings. Um, I don't think we're going to be in that position this year where we're at the all-star break and we're like, we need to trade for an innings guy. Um, even Gibby was, Kyle Gibson was looked upon as an innings eater, which is, right. I feel like a kind of a derogatory term because you're saying you're not that good, but you can throw a lot of innings. And we don't have quote unquote innings eaters in this team anymore. We do have a guy, we do have a team, um, a bunch of teams. I mean, if you look at just our, our, our starters last year, um, Dean Kramer that, that are coming back. Yep. Dean Kramer threw 172 innings last year. Kyle Bradish threw 168 in, innings last year. Um, Grayson Rodriguez threw 122 innings last year, plus some in the minors as well. So I don't know what that adds up to. Um, and Tyler Wells threw 100, 118 innings last year. So you already have in Kramer and Bradish Rodriguez, I feel like three guys that have the potential to throw close to 200 innings. Then you throw in there um, Corbin Burns, who's going to throw close to 200 innings, assuming or, everybody says stays healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Corbin a, threw 193 innings last year. Yeah. Um, so he threw more than anybody on our team. Um, and so it's just, it's adding up to a staff that's going to get into the sixth inning, seventh inning, a bunch of nights, which you're right. It gives you the flexibility of, and I think something that, Manager Hyde is really good at is in the bullpen. I saw him do this a lot last year. Starting with Cano, then Webb. It seems like, and then first actually starting with Coulomb, right? And then going to Cano, and then going to Webb, kind of riding the hot hand in the bullpen, right? Yeah. It'd be this guy, yeah, I don't know about this guy, and he would kind of just what is that four straight scoreless appearances, and then he would kind of keep on getting played. Um, and so I think we're gonna see a lot of that because you said our bullpen's gonna be okay. Cano had a great year, especially in the first half. Second half, he didn't look as good. People say maybe he was tired. Right. Maybe other teams had a chance to study him. Whatever. Um, but he doesn't have a track record. Yeah. People say Dylan Tate looks great. Dylan Tate didn't even pitch for us last year. Right. But uh, he was he was hurt. <laughs> he was hurt. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah, he was hurt. So, Craig, Craig Kimbrell, we paid him a good amount of money. Yes. And he's going to be our closer. But he's also what thirty six and thirty seven or something. He's he's up there in age, right? Um, struggled in the playoffs la, 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 last year, um, and then you have other guys like Perez um, and Coulomb and Webb, and we can go go down the list, but not not proven dominant back end guys. Uh, there's one. I feel like we have a bunch of good guys. You're forgetting one that I think is pretty proven. Okay, who's that? Tyler Wells. He's now a bullpen guy. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, unless he really outperforms. Kramer or means or one of these guys that were already kind of written their rotation down in pen. Wells is guard is our strong guy in that bullpen, whether he's back end or long relief. It's a huge arm to have in our bullpen. Yeah, no, I, I'm curious to see how Wells is used because I'm still, maybe I'm pessimistic, but I'm still thinking like someone out of spring training is going to have arm fatigue or something. And 
Yeah, and Wells is going to step in to be that fifth guy. I hope not, but because you're right, on paper it's Burns, Bradish, Rodriguez, Kramer, Means. Actually, Means should be before Kramer, right? And then um, Wells is the sixth man out. Yeah, which can we just pause for a second? Can we just Birdland? Can we just pause for a second? That's pretty. Think about this. That uh, Means, who has been our open day starter, who through the rebuilding years was our ace. Right is now our number four starter, even it's, if he's healthy, even if he has as good as he was a couple years ago. Um, he's still a number four starter. Is this how cool the, is that? Is this the first time that we have had a legit, no question ace since Musina? We've always I, had our we've always had our ace. Are you talking bad about um? Eric Bedard is that a, are you taking shots at Eric Bedard? I'm not an Eric Bedard fan, so yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I, don't and, think and I love Jeremy Guthrie, but Jeremy Guthrie was our ace for many years, and he's not even in this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you can have a conversation about like opening day starters, um, like you know, <laughs> uh, uh, like. Guys like Chris Tillman, right, or Jeremy Guthrie, who's had a bunch of open day starts for us. Um, we've oh, had, I mean, I mean, do you have it in front of you, the opening day starters? I just, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I just pulled I've it got, out. I mean, I got it right here. Kyle okay. Gibson last year. Okay. John Means for two oh, years. Oh, Gibson started. I forgot that Gibson was our opening day starter last year. Yeah. Uh, Josh, who's our opening day starter this year, by the way? Burns. No question. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not Bradish? No, it's going to be Burns. I'm, I'm, right. I'm tempted to give it to Bradish. Because Bradish had a better year last year. I know, but I think you give it to Burns. Um, I got a question for you. Who is Malone? Kevin Malone. He was our opening day starter in 2020. Then before that, it was Kashner. Tommy Malone. Ta- 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 Tommy Malone, I'm sorry. All right, Tommy Malone, you're right. Kevin Millwood was also. All right. Right? Didn't Kevin Millwood have an open day start back there? Who was our opening day starter in 2018? I'll let you know. Galsman was 2017. Tillman was the three years before that. But who was that 28 year, the year after Galsman? I feel like I'm on that. I feel like I'm on that, uh, whatever that show with Ryan we did before. Uh, oh, the oh, Birdland trivia or something? Yeah. Orioles yeah, trivia. Who, you said 2018? 2018. And you said it's not Gaussman? It's not Gaussman. It's not it's not Bundy. It's, it's Dylan Bundy. Bundy. There you go. He pulled it. Dylan Bundy. I mean, this is our opening day starters. Hamill, yeah. Arietta. Arietta was not an ace ever for us. Guthrie, Millwood, Guthrie, Guthrie, Bedard, yeah, Millwood. Lopez. Uh oh, Sidney Ponson. Yeah, well, now, now, now you're gonna Lo- way back to Lopez. To the cavalry, yeah. Erickson. Hentren and then Musina. This yeah, is really so, our this is our ace. Real ace. Yeah. Yeah. Though again, um, one would argue Cobb Radish outpitched Corbin Burns last year. I, I know. I see those stats. And um I'm just whether it's one or two, I'm just happy that they're both on our team. Yeah. Um, but but certainly if you look at the rotation, I mentioned this before. What Corbin Burns does is he gives you that proven top rotation arm. Cobb Radish has done it for a year. 
one that's it right he's only been starting first for two years he did it for one year he was good and that's why um, I put burns out there opening day right and grace rodriguez showed electric elite stuff i was at the dodgers game where he was dominant i was there i saw it but he hasn't done it for a whole season right um so all, all i'm saying is john means is coming off injury dean kramer has been up and down Tyler Wells, up and down. All I'm saying, you could argue before that this rotation had question marks. Now these question marks look a whole lot better when you can slide a proven ace, proven top rotation arm in there, and then Kyle Gibson can have a little regression, and that's okay. And yeah. Grace Rodriguez can be a little up and down, and that's okay. You're not asking Kyle Bradish to be a number one. You're not asking Grace Rodriguez to be a number two. You're not asking John Means, coming off an injury, to, to be number three. Everyone slides down. Uh, and then Dean Kramer all of a sudden looks like a really good number fifth starter. And so this this deal is just so fantastic. And yep. I know it's just for a year. But then if you project even past this year, you get Batista back. Who knows where we are with, with kind of developing pitching in the minors and everything right. looks a lot different. Also, things feel different when you won a World Series. So yeah. I'm willing to just ride with I don't, Corbin I don't Burns know for a year and, <laughs> and then let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Plus, now with David Rubenstein, Stein, Stein, yeah. no one has down years. There's no injuries. Everything's perfect with this team. Nothing happens bad. Well, yeah, it's interesting. The the And I, I, I completely agree. The Elias thing, though, and I was a little bit critical of Mike Elias because I said, okay, I, we know Mike Elias can draft well, develop players well. He can take a crappy team and he can build up a farm system and he can get, get young players here. What we didn't know is, can he pull the trades? Can well, he bring in the other talent to put us over the top? And the timing, the timing was just so much fun with, with Burns. You're right. And um, for him to make, and for the timing for Elias to make that, I know the day before I listened to the Baseball Tonight podcast. And I was texting you and been like, hey, Buster Olney was talking about how with the Dodgers and these other teams, the new owner, like, even though they don't own the team, they still have, like, will call and say, hey, go sign this guy or make this move. And they get a little wink, wink to tell them to make this moves. So then for like two days later, for the Burns move to come out, just it's the greatest week of Orioles baseball since we've done this podcast. And it's the offseason. Yeah, it's it's weird, Josh, because. No, I mean you, they talked to Aaron Aaron Boone. That's, I, I got that right in front of me. I was. Uh, what, what, what's the quote? quote? I don't have it in front of me. What, what did Aaron Boone say? Oh, it's the greatest quote ever. Yeah. And in fact, why? You know what, Aaron Burns? I'm going to put this on a Birdland Sports T-shirt. Yeah. Because he simply said, they asked for his reaction, what he thinks about the Orioles signing Corbin Burns. Right. And he said that could be a bit of a problem. <laughs> It's all—it's the greatest quote ever. Oh yeah, it's great. Um, and so this is—I almost like don't know how to feel. I'm used. I mean, we're used to—we're—we're we're familiar with the underdog role. We're familiar with betting the over uh, on the gambling websites for for win totals. Um, we're familiar with the thirty thousand to one odds to win the World Series. Yes. This all of a sudden, it's and it's not just about Kerbin Burns. It, it's about the new ownership. Like we're um, we're now no longer like this. I don't know what the analogy is or this, but but this is a change, and I almost don't know how to feel about it. I almost don't know how to like react because I'm so used to being a fan 
of I'm so used to having a bad owner and knowing we won't spend money and being cynical. And I know there's Oriole fans now. Some may or not be may or may not be in our chat right now who are still skeptical, right? Still skeptical, saying, oh, this might not actually, you know, hold, hold your horses, people. You know, th- this could be the same old Orioles who in the end are cheap and don't extend players. And, um, you know, this is just a one-minute high. Um, and, and I get that because for whole lives, <laughs> that's – Pretty much of our whole fandom, that's been the reality, right? That that ownership has been an uh, an obstacle to be overcome, um, and that we were not, we were kind of always the underdogs. And even when we had some success, like those 2012 years, right through 2016, even in those, you knew, you knew it was like this little window, and you were trying to get as many wins and as you can this little window because at some point it was going to close, and it was going to close really fast. <laughs> And, and this is not that at all. This is not about a window. This is about a whole kind of restructuring my brain of how this team is that that now we can spend money. We can be – I don't know if we're going to be the top five, five, five teams in payroll, but, but we can compete in payroll if we want to with anybody. And we can keep our core together if we want to. Um, and Mike Elias now, who I think is brilliant, and I think Mike Elias is a genius, no longer is has to consider, like, what can he do with no money, right? right if right. Mike Elias wants to do something, if he goes to Rubenstein and says, hey, listen, we actually need to spend more on our facility in the DR, or actually need 10 more analytics guys, or actually need this, you think Rubenstein's going to be like, no, you can hire maybe right. three guys, but not all ten. Oh, well, to no, be fair, no, he's not going to have the conversation. This is a fundamental shift, yes, of a team. And as a fan, I'm still, I still don't really know how to think about it, but I'm no. pretty happy about it. No, and it's 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 so funny because it does it makes you think differently about the team. And I know that the fact that we've got a huge farm system, uh, top farm system also adds to that hopefulness and it's it's like we're going to win now with a w- owner that wants to win instead of we're going to win in spite of our ownership group. yeah and and there was when michael Elias traded for traded for jack flaherty that was like everyone took big swings at justin verlander and max scherzer and we went for the guy who kind of no one else wanted maybe <laughs> <laughs> the Jack Flaherty, who was like the consolation prize, not the top, but eh, yeah. he's okay. Um, and that was classic Orioles, right? Like, like we won't get the top guy, but but we'll we'll get whatever's kind of left over. And that felt about right for the Orioles. I think um, if this sale went through last year, then there would be legit conversations about is Otani right for the Orioles? Because yeah, yeah, I, I don't think don't Otani think, was ever coming to I the still East don't Coast, think but he sure, was, yeah. But I'm saying. It wasn't just a laughing joke because at this point we could legitimately afford anyone. I, Right. And I don't know, Josh, you're, you seem to be even more optimistic than I am in some ways. I don't know if we're going to make a, a sign Cor- Cor- Corbin Burns, but I do feel confident that we're going to extend Rutschman and Holiday and Henderson. Yes. If Elias thinks Correct. that's the good move to do, I think we're, 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 we're going to do it. I agree. Um, I don't know if we're going to pay – with the, I mean, we saw. I don't think we're going to turn in, 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 into the Mets or Dodgers. 
I mean, or, or, or even the Padres, what they went through. Um, because the Padres and the Mets, too, they spent money, but they kind of just spent stupid money, right? Right. right. Like, they weren't really strategic about it. They just threw money at everybody. Yeah. Where Elias is much more strategic. So even, I think, even spending money, for example, on like a 10 year deal with Corbin Burns is going to be like a decision, not, not, not just about can we afford him. But is this the best use of use of our funds, and can they be better used elsewhere? Right. Um, And I think Corbin Burns and Gunnar Henderson are both Boris clients, so that makes things tricky. But in the past, I would have said they're Boris clients. We don't have we have no chance with them. We're now like, oh, we could actually extend them. Yeah, and and I think about the Dodgers, and I don't think we can spend exactly the Dodgers, but I think the comparison I would offer with the Dodgers. It's with the Dodgers, the Dodgers don't have a window to win. The Dodgers are always good. They're yes. always good. And they will always be good as long as they have two things. Really competent management who knows what they're doing. I mean, they got the as far as drafting, developing players. The Dodgers are great at it, just like the Orioles. And an ownership who has deep pockets, yeah. right? That's what you need to not just have windows, but to like compete all the time in baseball. Really competent management who knows how to draft, develop players, and make good decisions, and then an ownership with pockets. And right now, right. we got that. How much do you right now miss that this year we won't be living in Maryland? I hate it so much. I hate it be, so much. Me too, because we'd be going to 30-some games this season with yeah. the way this team is stocked up. And now um, I'm like, well, i got to find a way to – I've already looked at, well, maybe this week I can just work in Maryland and get five games in, and this week can do this. Yeah. because. Uh, it's it's crazy. We haven't had this since like the Buck Showalter years, and this is even more exciting than those years. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's I mean, we we were never the favorites to win the World Series. That's You're right, and that's okay. kind of what we are now. Uh, right. Those Buck years, we would go to twenty five games a year. Yeah, and now we're the favorite, and yeah, and we're the legit favorite, which I hate even more because you. We talked a couple weeks ago that I hate being the favorite. I like being the underdog. It puts way too much pressure to say, hey, you're going to win the World Series. And now I can't argue with that. We've got, we're lined up as good as anyone in the AL. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm going to draw upon a lot of our listeners here because I know we have a lot of listeners who are out of the state of Maryland, non-local Oriole fans. Yeah. And I'm going to draw upon you for support because, I mean, Josh, I don't remember exactly when you moved to Florida, like maybe the beginning of the Michael Elias era. Uh, this summer will be five years. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then and then I moved, um, you know, just a couple years ago. Yeah, exactly. and when we I moved, moved Orioles stunk. Just for the yes. record, uh, and I, I saw. And, and, yeah, I'm still I'm I'm so excited for the Orioles, but there's a part of me that's like I made a huge mistake in leaving the state of Maryland. <laughs> yes, maybe I should pick up a move back. If my kids were not in school down here, I would probably move back for this season. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Um, uh, to the point that like our uh, our parents are selling their home now, which makes it trickier for us to go back. Yeah, and I looked. I was like, "How much are just cheap homes in that area?" And I was like, "That should be an investment. Is a home to go back to to watch the Oriole games." Yeah, but um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I Josh, I have I still have a, a home there, a home there with renters. Maybe I should just kick the renters out. And that could just be our, our place to crash. I, I found, I found thank goodness for the Danny one still li- li- exactly. living. He's kind of our last family connection. Right. We'll be, uh, yeah. If, if any of our listeners own an Airbnb, 
that uh, we can go join. Otherwise, yeah, if there's anyone, we'll be in that basement. Yeah, we'll join you. There's plenty of room in that basement. <laughs> right. Um, I saw. So I was I was browsing Reddit, which I don't do that often. Okay. But I was I was browsing because I was looking for Rock Kabako because he's been missing. Right. So I was browsing Reddit to see if I can find anything out. And I stumbled on a post, which I see on Reddit once in a while, which is in the Orioles tab. And it's people asking for Orioles podcasts to listen to. Okay. And everyone says on the verge. And then our name always comes up. And sure. someone said, uh, said, I used to love Section 336, but it went downhill a little bit after the boys moved. So I haven't been listening. And mm. I wanted to scream at the guy and be like, the podcast didn't go downhill. The Orioles sucked, and the Orioles went downhill. Come back to Section 336. So, listeners, go tell all those guys on Reddit to come back on 336. The more fun the Orioles are, this podcast is a whole lot more fun. That guy probably just didn't like Little League talk, softball talk, and PlayStation drama. You don't think he preferred when we were in a room together? No, I think. Is it possible he preferred when we were in a room together and now he's lost a little something going on Zoom? I agree. I did prefer. Well, it's that or it's Burke quit when we went on Zoom. Oh, yeah. Or the Danny one. Yeah, the that's, Danny that's, one could that's, be it, too. We, we definitely changed the style of the show a little bit with just the two of us. But uh, no, I definitely I prefer being in room. That's why whenever we're together, I want to record, even if it's just a bonus episode or record something together, because, uh, yeah, that's different energy. But I think we've gotten really good at doing the this the online uh, virtual talk. And yeah. now with the Orioles, hopefully we'll be in Baltimore together a lot more this summer to do more. Yeah. And like, and listen, I don't know if we did a poll of our listenership, but I think, I think the majority of our listeners are outside the state of Maryland. At least as far as people who contact yes. us, yeah, um, I think the majority is outside. Well, the state because of Maryland. because if you're in Maryland, you've got the you've you got, got one hundred five seven. Yeah, you got yeah. one hundred five seven. You got the guys at work to have this conversation with. You got the guys at the bar to have this conversation yeah, that's with. True too. Yeah, we yeah. used to. You know, section three thirty six. We talk about how we're like your friends hanging out and talking. That's what we've always done. We're not, yeah. we're not stat nerds. We're just guys talking because we love this team. Yeah. And so, yeah, you miss that when you're out of town, and we can no, relate more uh, now to to that. Yeah. And you know what? Because of that, and because this team's going to go so well, we're going to do more things like like we did with Birdland Radio and Birdland Tonight, where we did post game show. We're just going to do them under the section three thirty six banner. Okay. We're. You, you and I have talked about that where, hey, we'll hop on sometimes <laughs> and have conversations. Um, we, we did talk about doing like some lunchtime conversations, but I don't know. We just tried an emergency episode last week. Guys are knocking on your office door. You're speaking yes. in that soft office conversation. I got, I got, they got thin walls in that office. Yeah. And, uh, so we, yeah, people knock my door frequently. Right. So we got to figure that out as far as your office space. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it on days you're working from home or something. But yeah. But yeah, it's just. It's so exciting to talk about this team right now. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. It's 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 fun to think about now. With all that said, like we know this from experience, it doesn't. The best whoever wins the off season doesn't win the World Series. Whoever has the best <laughs> team on paper is not a guarantee. Like there are, right. we've like, got a lot to play them. the games, a lot of them, and the Yankees are going to be good, and. It's a grind, and you could envision scenarios where things don't go your way, and we don't win 101 games, and we don't win the AL East. And so this is all kind of playing on paper. But, yeah, I can't. I mean, spring training can't get here fast enough. Like, let's go. Right. Um, 
and I love the Rubenstein quote to bring it all circle, is he said to the fans, we do it for you and can't do it without you. Thank you for your support. Yeah, and, and there was the World cool. Series in there too. Was that the tweet where he mentioned the World Series? Yeah, I believe so. And I love okay. that he's in house Sharon. He can't officially like talk too much about the sale. So instead now on his Twitter account, he's just posting articles of other people writing about the sale, which oh, yeah, is just fun. Yeah. So I, I um, am very happy as an Oriole fan right now, as I'm, as I think everyone in Birdland is. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a good time to be an Orioles fan. It's a good yeah. time to jump on this bandwagon. It's, Absolutely. And it's the timing is perfect because like I said, we're rolling straight into spring training talk. And I mean, we had lots of personal stuff this week yeah. going on and we don't, we don't even have time for that in this episode. We just dive right in. I mean, Cor- 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 Corbin Burns said he was shocked when he was traded because it was so close to, to spring yeah. training. Like he thought, okay, people have had their talks and if it didn't happen then it wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, so he was shocked that it happened this close to spring training. So, 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 so yeah, it's, I think this does. I mean, I think the, the Dylan Z's talk, like the Orioles still have the prospects that they want to make it happen, but now it doesn't make a lot of sense to me anymore. I don't, we, I don't we like have that. a good rotation as is. Yeah. I don't, I really don't like the Dylan Cease move now, especially with all the conversation of, Oh, it's going to cost more. And the white Sox want more. I don't want to pay more for Dylan Cease. Yeah, you and you get another year for Dylan Cease. I yeah. think you, you get two years as opposed to one yeah. year. But I don't want to give up more of our farm system. Yeah. I, I like our rotation right now. Yeah. Okay, so what? Yeah, you add Cease to it, so then Kramer gets bumped also. Yeah. And that, I like, think then Kramer becomes a bullpen arm, maybe. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I don't think that improves our team as much as what we just did. So I'm yeah. not worried about it. Fangraph said it inc- uh, increased our win total by three games, which is like that's huge for one hey, player right. yeah. to increase and, a, a win total by three games. And three games in a tight AL East battle is huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, – we assume it's going to be a really close AL East, AL East battle. So, yeah. I, I mean, Aaron Boone, he, he, he knows what he's talking about. It's just not yeah. – this is going to be a problem. Yeah. This is going to be a problem. Yep. Yeah. So. All right. All right. I think we can close it out on there. Yeah. Jump into actual spring training next week. Yeah. We can start talking about, I mean, some really interesting and important roster questions. Right. We, we, We hinted at that today in terms of position and roster. But, yeah, there's going to be some interesting storylines this, I assume this is a team. I, I assume no one else is being added, and that's fine. Right. Even as is, there's going to be some interesting spring training battles, interesting positions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting plus, roster decisions. Plus, little league starts this week for me. Okay. So we got we get little start league everything us. so early down there. Oh, it's it's summer. freaking February. Yeah, yeah. We had the draft this week. So wild. Yeah, yep. First practice Thursday. All right. We don't start till March. Well, we start games in March. We have a month of practices. So maybe it's just an age dance. Yeah, maybe. All right, well, let's get out of here. You can um, follow us for this 2024 season, epic season that's about to happen. Spread the word. You can uh, tell people about this podcast. Spread the word? Yeah. Sure. You know, tell people. Share on your social media platforms. Tell your friends. Yeah, do all that. Post on Reddit, I guess. That's a thing. People do it. People do. All right. 
you can follow us on all your social media platforms. Like we stream this thing everywhere. This thing is streamed on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and X, yeah. all of it. Uh, so just follow the show there. You can also follow me on X at section three three six. Follow Josh on X at Josh Roca and go on over to BirdlandSports.com. Brand new T-shirts up there. Pretty much every day now, I'm making a new shirt, getting ready for the season. Oh yeah, that Corbin Burns trade, good for business, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, I got two Burns shirts up there now. Two Mr. Burns shirts, or no, nice. I have a Mr. Burns shirt and a Welcome to Burns Land. Oh nice. So check those out. Also, a Taylor Swift knockoff shirt that is probably my favorite I've made in a while. All right, so check those out. All right, boys and girls, thanks for listening, and as always, go O's.